Hello and thanks for streaming this episode from ACF Church. Our hope is that this word would encourage you to walk closer with God and with your local church. We hope you consider partnering in the work God's doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you'd like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so safely on our website at acfak.org or by texting the amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's word. You're perfect now. My neck. My my neck. Perfect? Bang on my chest if you think I'm perfect. Go ahead, bang on it. Beautiful. What a nickel. It's empty. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart. No heart? No heart. All hollow. When a man's an empty kettle, he should be on his metal. And yet I'm torn apart. Just because I'm presuming that I could be kind of human if I only had a heart. I'd be tender, I'd be gentle, and awful sentimental regarding love and art. I'd be friends with the sparrows and the boy who shoots the arrows if I only had a heart. What's up, 11 a.m.? How you guys doing? You made it to church today. Thank you for being here. Man, it's been a big week, Alaska. It's been crazy. We also want to welcome everybody who's with us online. Can we thank them for being with us as well? I want to invite you as well, too. If you have a, have a phone, a smartphone, just pull it out real quick and share this post on Facebook. You may have some friends that maybe just need to check into church for a few minutes this morning uh, just to get some perspective on all that's gone on. And so um, if you're uh, across the world, you've probably heard we had a, a huge earthquake here, a 7.2 in Alaska, and it's been a crazy few days, right? Um, and, and so we actually talked about canceling church this morning. We weren't sure if we'd be able to get everything put back together, make sure the building was safe and things uh, picked up enough that we could actually gather. But we had uh, a ton of people, I think over 100 people showed up yesterday to help clean this place up. Can we give them a hand for just showing up and being a part? Yeah. Yep. Man, it's so good. I know our amazing production team, those guys are awesome, been working overtime just trying to get cameras back online and and things working so that we can do church together. And so um, I'll tell you what, listen, I know it's been a hard few days, but I will tell you that I feel this from the bottom of my heart, that I've seen the best of Alaska over the past few days. Have you seen that? I mean, I think, I think it's a great state to live in. And I know for some of you, um, some of you are constantly feeling like you wish you were somewhere else. And I get that. I, I hear it all the time. And if I just live somewhere warmer, somewhere with more sunlight, you know, and, and all the beauty of this place that we live in starts to kind of fade into the background when it when it turns into February, and I, I get that feeling, but I will tell you that um, the, the beauty of Alaska is just a bonus for me. I live in Alaska because of you guys. 
I live in Alaska because of the people that we get to do life with. And because when things get hard, we encourage each other, we help each other. And I just love over the past few days how I've just seen so much generosity. So much compassion poured out on each other. And I'm going to continue, I believe, seeing that over the course of the next months and uh, even the next year. how, How God uses this situation to bring people together. And as the church, I just, I get excited about this. If you're a Christian here, I hope that you start dreaming and thinking about how God is going to use this situation to open people up to the gospel. I mean, that's, that's just where our minds go. Is like, man, this is, a, this is such an opportunity. We say this every single week that we're here to amplify the grace of Jesus to the churched and the unchurched and the de-churched. And I'm telling you, like, this is a chance to amplify some grace. This is a chance to show people what it's like in heaven and, and to bring it on earth just like it is in heaven and to bring that grace to the community that we live in. And, and so I just love that. It's been a crazy. I, I feel like in my house, we're really fortunate. We didn't have really much damage at all. Some of you have massive messes to clean up. And you still left the house this morning. And I just, I just want to kind of honor you for that, for being willing to just kind of get away from it and get some perspective. I know yesterday uh, one lady showed up and was helping pick up, and she's like, Brian, there's just dishes everywhere. There's glass everywhere. Uh, my, my deck tried to fall off the back of my house. And she's like, I just needed to come and serve. I just needed to get my eyes off of myself. And so as we talked about canceling church today and, and kind of taking a break, even I just th- talked about um, maybe not doing this thing that we're doing. I'll, I'll explain more in just a minute. Um, we're going to begin actually sponsoring children in another country to rescue them out of poverty. We talked about maybe not doing that today. And then as we discussed it, we realized that's actually the, the, the exact thing that we need to do. I mean, the the temptation is when we're struggling, when we're being challenged, is to focus on ourselves, is to look inward, to become obsessed with our own situation. And who knows that just makes it worse? Anybody know that that just makes it worse? So maybe what we need to do as a community is that we need to take our eyes off of ourselves and look beyond our homes and even our city into the greater needs of the world. Because let's be honest, uh, we just went through a major earthquake. And most of us here, sitting here today, we went through that and still actually have the capacity to help people across the world, which just blows my mind. It blows my mind. And, and, and if you've seen pictures of other earthquakes across the world and how uh, devastating that's been and how many people have died because of earthquakes that are the same size as ours or less, then, then we have to go, man, can we just be grateful? Can we be grateful for where we live? Yeah. Can we thank God? Yeah, just thank God for the community that we live in, for the place that we live in, and just let that gratitude, I I hope and pray that it'll just wash over you this morning. All the the cares and the worries, and I know you're like, man, my office is going to be a mess on Monday, and I still got stuff at home to deal with. Would you just maybe set that aside for a few minutes? And I hope that you can receive from God here today, and, and also, if you're just stressed um, if you're dealing with a lot of anxiety, if you've got some major issues going on right now, there are some people in the connect room in the corner of the room today that would love to pray for you. And so at any point, if you just need to get prayed for, uh, we would love to make sure we encourage you in that way. Also, grab the little sheet that was on the seat when you came in real quick. There's a little flyer, and that flyer is, is an opportunity that we have uh, really to mobilize our church. I don't know, you guys, I don't know if you realize this, but over the course of these, these three different, different services, we've got over a thousand people that are going to be in here this week. And that's, that's an army of people, isn't it? That's a whole army worth of people in our community that if we band together to do some things, we can make a massive impact. 
And so here's what we want, want you to do is fill out your information on there. And then as, as you'll see, there's a, there's a line that just says, here's how I can serve. Here, here's what I bring to the table. Here's some skills that I have and some things that if you're here today and you're like, man, I just want to help. Honestly, Brian, my house is fine. I'm okay. I just feel like there's needs and I want to help someone out. Then we would love to hear how you might be able to help. There's also another line on there that might be just your need. Would you just write down, if you're here today and you're feeling like, I could really use a hand, um, I know that it's hard to receive sometimes. I know that maybe you're here and maybe you, you have a hard time writing those things down, but would you let us know what your need is? Or maybe you have a neighbor or a family member who, uh, I know some houses in our community, I saw one picture of a house that basically cracked in half. And so we know that there are people in our community that are dealing with just a a devastation beyond what most of us are dealing with. And so um, if you know of that need, just write that down. And at the bottom is just a a chance to give. We've we've had people asking uh, that live here as well as people who are texting and calling in from out of state who just love ACF Church, love this community, who are like, can we give to help uh, recover some, some things and maybe help some people get out of their situations? And if you'd like to do that, there's just a way that you can do that on there as well. But can we just be mobilized as a church? Can we keep our eyes off of ourselves and let's look outward? And I think what's going to happen is our issues, our broken trinkets will seem a little bit smaller. The problems will seem a little bit more, uh, more reasonable and manageable. And, and I'll tell you, for me, uh, faith is all theory until you end up with a situation like that, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but my faith has been tested in a few different ways. Uh, just in the moments of just the ground shaking, there's a, there's a helplessness that we all feel. And as we said last week, we were talking about how there's a desperation that we all need to come to terms with. This reality that we live in a desperate world, in a, in a dying world, and it's always been that way. But, but yesterday, or a couple days ago, we Alaskans felt that to a deeper sense. We actually felt the, the helplessness that we all have in, in a deep way. And, and I, I said this last week, that desperation is essential in the life of every believer because it actually um, narrows the gap between us and God. It actually helps us to realize our deep need for salvation and for a Savior. And so would you just allow that to to kind of percolate in your heart a little bit today? Like, how am I desperate? And how have I maybe lived life like I can can sustain myself when really I need a sustainer? I need a helper. I need someone to give me what I need. And that is is God himself offering that to us. So what we're going to do, we're going to step into an opportunity to not just receive compassion, but actually give compassion. And I've realized as over the past few weeks as we've talked about compassion that um, I need to grow a lot in this area. I, 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 need, I need to grow a lot. I am not naturally compassionate. Can anybody else admit that? I, I'm not, not naturally compassionate. In fact, last Sunday I woke up for church. My eyes opened up and I, I, I heard every parent's nightmare when you, when you wake up in the morning and it was this sound from down the hallway. You know? So my wife, Amanda, she goes flying out of the bed down the hallway, and I kid you not, I just laid there, and all I thought to myself, this was the only thought in my mind was, I just hope she made it to the bathroom. That's, right, any parents want to admit that that's the first thing you think? God, I hope she's not on the carpet. Please, just save the carpet, right? So much compassion. So much compassion. No, I just, it's not, it's not my natural bent. I don't naturally just think about the needs of other people. To be a compassionate person, you actually have to retrain yourself. And in fact, we've seen some of the best out of our first responders here um, in the Anchorage area over the course of the past couple of days. And I think of those people and how they've had to actually retrain the natural response, which is to run away from danger, right? 
The natural response is to run away from anything that is going to be a challenge to you when there's these people in our community who are like, no, what I do is I run into danger. And and as I think about that, I think, isn't that the most Christ-like thing we can ever do is run into someone else's danger? Is, is, Is actually put our own selves at risk for the sake of someone else? So there's all these realities that are happening around us. I had a friend of mine call me yesterday, and he said, Brian, um, this, was, this was really interesting for me. I, he said, I grew up in an abusive home. It was, there's a lot of fear in my home and, and constantly uh, a struggle in my childhood with just the day-to-day things, never knowing what was coming next for me or for the people around me, and just this fear and anxiety and fear and anxiety. And he said, you know, over the course of the past couple of days, it's been the first time in my marriage that I've been able to explain to my wife in, in a way that made sense to her what that actually felt like. Because who here has lived with some anxiety over the course of the past couple of days? Anybody feeling anxiety this morning? Man, I am. Like as I'm laying in bed going, what's, the, what's coming, right? Is the next one going to be the big one? And as these aftershocks have continued to hit us, there's been this sort of like droning anxiety in my life. And he said, for the first time ever, that's made sense to my wife because she's able to feel just a little bit like what I've felt. And I get it. Some of you live that all the time. You're like, Brian, I live a life of anxiety. I mean, I'm just, I am redlined on anxiety all the time. That's why when my house tries to collapse in on me, I'm freaking out because I can't handle anything beyond what I'm currently experiencing. And I want you to know this, that there are people in our world, even in our midst, and especially beyond the walls of the United States, that live in that constant anxiety and fear all their lives. All their lives. And what you and I have felt as Alaskans over the course of the past couple of days has just been a a, a taste, just a little taste of what some people feel with these questions. Will my child make it through to the next day? Will we have clean water to drink? Will I be able to treat myself and my family with, with basic health care needs that we need? Will we ever, ever have a future as a family? Can I get an education? Could I ever learn to read? These are questions you and I never seem to have to wrestle with, but people across the world have to wrestle with it all the time. I want you to open up your Bibles if you have one. Um, to Matthew chapter 15, and we've been in Matthew 15 for a couple weeks now. Last week, we talked about this moment in the life of Jesus where he healed this little girl, and this mother who's just a, a caring mom who came from a terrible background. Uh, she, she showed up, she's asking Jesus for help, and he heals the daughter, but he also heals her heart. He blesses her great faith. He takes her to the most desperate moment of her life, and he gives her compassion, because we have a God of compassion. It's what he does. He pours out compassion on us. And as the story continues, Jesus is traveling around the countryside and the crowd is growing. People are coming. They hear about the miracles that are happening. And then this is where it continues in uh, verse 29. It says, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, and the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. See, people came for all kinds of different reasons. Uh, initially, it was just maybe for the show. I mean, this was, a, this was a great thing to see, these miracles. I mean, anybody would want to see that. They, they might have come themselves just to be healed. Maybe this man can heal me physically. 
As many of you know, when you're dealing with a physical ailment, it's all you seem to think about. It's just getting better. And I don't know for you today why you came to church this morning. I don't know if you were just like, Brian, I'm so stressed. I, I, I haven't been to church in years. I just need to, need to know that there is something greater than myself because I felt really small a couple days ago. And I don't know why you're here. Maybe you came here just to enjoy church or just some music, some warm coffee because coffee, your coffee pot is exploded on the floor. I don't know why you came to church today, but in the same way, people came to see Jesus for a lot of different reasons. But in this moment, they knew that Jesus was operating at the will of his Father, that everything Jesus did was telling a story of a kingdom that was greater than the one they were living in. And so they were giving praise to God for what Jesus was doing. Verse 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have what for these people? Compassion. Jesus is always filled with compassion. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. I love that. Jesus is so practical. He meets very practical needs. He's like, their blood sugar is really low. They just, they just need some food. They need some bread. They need some wine. They need to relax, and so I want to give them some of this stuff. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? The first response of Jesus' followers when faced with a challenge is doubt. Just like you and I, when we're faced with a challenge, your first, my first response might be simply to doubt God. Just think of the worst case scenario. Verse 34, how many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. Isn't it cool how Jesus just asks them what they have? He doesn't ask them what they need. He doesn't ask them what they don't have. He just says, what do you have? And I would say the same is true for us here today. Jesus isn't asking you what you don't have. He's not asking you to explain your limitations and the things that you don't have today. He's asking you, what what do you bring to the table? What is it that you do have? And they say, not much, Jesus. This is code for not enough. Like not enough to do what, I, what we think you're going to try to do. And he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And they in turn to the people. What we know about this story is these disciples were amazed as what they had, this very little, was multiplied to make a massive impact and to feed thousands of people. And this is how the church began. The church began with this this drive and this call to compassion. And I love what it says in Colossians 3.12. It says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with what? Compassion. And of all the things that the church needed to, to, to be in the establishment of it, to make an impact and to look like Jesus to the world, what was the church commanded to be but compassionate? To be compassionate. That's what it means to be God's people, is to make other people's problems our priority. And when we do that, we actually begin to look like Jesus. And I think about even over the next couple of weeks and months, we're going to start to see news stories about people who are compassionate. Like, it's going to be the thing that we hear about is, did you guys hear about this moment, this person? They were, like, running on half a tank, but the person next to them, they only had, like, an eighth of a tank. So they started pumping out gas out of their tank into their, their friend's tank next to them, or this person they've never met before. It's just crazy compassion. 
Did you hear about this organization that raised all this money to help these people who had a, had a huge issue with their home, huge water leak, and man, they took care of that person, just amazing compassion. Now, whether you, whether you are a Christian or you're not a Christian, what I want you to know is that you, you tend to celebrate compassion. I think we all celebrate compassion because we are designed with a holy ache for a world of compassion. That's how God has built you, is that you have been given a design. God has created you for a world that's different from what we see in front of us. And so there's this just holy ache. This part of us is like, man, there's something just right when people are compassionate. There's something that comes alive in my soul when somebody steps into someone else's story. There's just something about that that seems so good and so right. That's what the Christmas season is all about, isn't it? That's what, that's what the Christmas season is all about, is giving and loving and reconciliation and healing that relationship that's been, you know, messed up for years and leaning back in and meeting needs. And we, we celebrate that at least for a month as a culture. But what if we were supposed to live this all the time? And what if the life that we're looking for is actually found and operating as a compassionate people every single moment of our lives? And so as a church, I want to give you a bit of kind of the story that got us to where we are. And so about four years ago, I stepped into the position that I'm in here at ACF Church as the the teaching pastor and lead pastor here. And when I did, I felt like there were just a lot of things going on, and I really wanted to simplify our ministry. And what you'll learn about ACF is that um, we don't do everything as a church, but the things we choose to do, we try to do them really well. Like we try to focus on just a few things and we are very okay with the fact that there are other churches and other ministries in our city that are doing other things. And in fact, we encourage people to be a part of those things. But we are called to do certain things as a church and so we began to pray and dream about what global initiatives we'd be a part of. We, we know that we're, we are here to see it be in Alaska as in heaven. That's our vision. That it would be in Alaska as in heaven that people would feel a little bit of the kingdom of God when they encounter ACF Church. But we also know that the mission is so much greater and so much bigger than the state that we live in. That there's a global mission that we are a part of as a great commission church that we would take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so as we started praying about what we would do next, I started talking to friends of mine just about what does mission look like in your life. And, and what came up multiple times was this ministry. And the ministry's name is Compassion International. And these friends of mine had been sponsoring kids from around the world and and rescuing them out of impoverished situations, giving them basic needs. And I thought, man, that's awesome. How cool is that? So I started just going on the website and looking up Compassion International, and, and their vision statement is really cool. It's really simple. It's just rescuing children out of poverty in Jesus' name. Isn't that awesome? Like what a great vision, just rescuing children out of poverty in Jesus' name. And so I started looking into that, looking into the ministry, going, hey, if we would ever link arms with the ministry, I want to understand them. I want to ask questions about their finances. I want to know what is happening, what they're actually doing. And at the same time as I was exploring this, I was dealing with my own skepticism. And as I've said from the front here many times, um, I am the first to admit that I'm a skeptic. I, I, te- I tend to be a cynic. I tend to see the holes and the problems in things. And so when I think of child sponsorship, I think of all the commercials that I've seen on TV, right? And you've seen them too. Normally it's when you go get some Doritos and, you know, maybe a Coke from the fridge because you're like, I don't need to see that again. You know, it's very sad music and these terrible pictures of these children. And you're just like, I don't know, you know, I, I feel bad or whatnot. And sort of using shame to, to motivate sometimes. And, and, and for me, that doesn't help. But I thought, these are real needs, 
Like no matter what we think of, the, of, of different uh, nonprofits or whatnot that we've seen around the world, there are real needs and real children that desperately need someone to, to have compassion on them. And so the first step for us as a team was, was to simply sponsor a child. And so last year, at our Christmas party as a staff, we sponsored a little boy named Emmanuel. And he's from, he's from Kenya, and his birthday was on the day of our staff Christmas party. And so we sponsored this little boy and began to write letters to him and hear from him. And, and so we thought, man, this is a really cool opportunity to kind of see what a $38 a month actually does. And the next step was we started talking to them about actually seeing what they do. We thought, hey, if we as a church are going to lean into this, then I, as a, as a leader in our leadership team, we need to be able to bring something before you that we know has integrity. That we, we can say, hey, if we're going to give money to something, we want to be really careful about that and make sure that those finances are actually being used to help people in need. And so last year, the be- or actually the beginning of this year, of 2018, I traveled with some other pastors to Kenya. And I thought, hey, let's see the other side of what's happening. Let's meet some people and see some needs. And let's actually test this whole thing out. How is this actually being done on the other side of these things? And while I was in Kenya, I actually got to meet uh, little Emmanuel. And so here he is, and I'm giving him a little Alaska moose. He loved that. I brought him a soccer ball. We played soccer for a couple of hours, and just, I got to know him. He's, a, he's just an amazing little boy. Uh, and, and just to see his eyes light up at this man who came from this magical place called Alaska. On the other side of the universe is Alaska, you know, talking about moose and, and living in this crazy place with mountains and caribou and just crazy things that uh, he's never even really thought much about. So it was really cool to meet him and to see his eyes light up that, that I would travel across the world to show him that he has value, to show him that he is not defined by his poverty, but he is actually created by a loving God who, who actually has given him his own image. He bears the image of God. And how cool is that, that the value that he felt? And as we were there, we uh, visited some of the worst slums in the world, um, in Nairobi, and we were walking these streets. If you've never been into a slum, it's just absolutely terrible. It's open sewers on the street and people living in conditions that for most of us are just unheard of. I mean, absolutely unspeakable conditions. And we sat down in this little metal building, this little metal house uh, with this woman who's part of their, uh, their, their child survival program. And what this program is, it actually trains these mothers on how to keep their children alive which shocked me that this even existed. Because when we um, got pregnant, mostly Amanda, when Amanda got pregnant with um, each of our children, what we started asking was, how, does, how do we help this kid to be the top of their class? How do we get them into an Ivy League school? How do we make sure that they succeed in life and that they're the absolute best? That's what we start thinking about. How do we make this little, so he's like baby Einstein. We're playing music like in the womb, like this kid's gonna be a rock star, right? And so that, these are the questions that we begin to ask and to consider. For this young mom that I was sitting there with, her only question was, how do I keep this baby alive? Like I, I literally don't know how. I literally don't know how to care for this kid. And so this program just gives her the basic skills and some supplements so that she can care well for this baby. And I'm sitting in this little house with her and family members, and they're talking about how this has absolutely changed their lives, how their whole family has been transformed through this ministry. And that people across the world send money to them to help change their entire life. And I thought, right then, I thought, we can do something about this. 
that we in Alaska, this random church in the middle of Alaska, we can actually do something about this woman's situation as well as many other people's situations. So we started asking the question of compassion, where are the greatest needs? Because we, I don't know if you know about ACF Church much, but we're sort of like a go big or go home church. Like we just lean in to the, the deepest, most difficult situations sometimes. And, and so we knew that we didn't want to just go on a tour somewhere. We didn't want to just like find a tourism destination that maybe had some kids to sponsor. We said, where is the darkest place? Where are the deepest needs right now that we could sponsor a bunch of children? And the country they uh, directed us towards is a country called Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso. This is in West Africa. And if you don't know anything about Burkina Faso, it has a population of 18 million. It ranks 183 out of 189 poorest countries in the world. So absolutely impoverished country. 47% of people live on less than $1.25 a day. And most people struggle just to get water, um, basic health care, and food. I mean, this is, this is a place with desperate, desperate needs. And so we thought, man, let's, what if we could make a difference? What if we could do something in Burkina Faso and meet some needs there? And, and, and so we, we started saying, well, um, tell us about maybe an area that we could, we could actually focus our energy. Instead of sponsoring children all over the world, what if we as ACF Church just said, hey, we can't make a difference everywhere, but let's just choose one city. And so they directed us towards a, a, a city called uh, Bobo Gilasso. And in Bobo Gilasso, there are hundreds of children that are waiting for sponsorship. And as we started to uh, look at the city more and find out more about this city, what we found out is that the Christian and Missionary Alliance is well-established in Bobo Gilasso. And if you didn't know this, ACF Church is part of this greater movement of churches, this greater family of churches called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And, and this denomination is actually bigger globally than it is even in the United States. And we found out that in Bobo, there are actually 20 alliance churches already established. And in the country of Burkina Faso, there are over 100,000 people in alliance churches. So how how cool is that? We have this family that is part of our family that's actually on the other side of the world. And we found out that in Bobo Gelasso, many of these alliance churches are actually compassion sites. The compassion, when they, when they want to do child sponsorship in a region, they establish themselves in a local church always. They're always, a, because they are releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And when, they, when they're going to do that, they're going to do that out of the local church. And so we started talking with them about this area of Bobo Dulasso, and I actually uh, spoke with, on, on Tuesday morning, I was Skyping with an alliance worker in Boa Gelasso. And this man, Toby, uh, was telling me about the needs that are going on there and about how desperate the situation is and yet how many opportunities are being created right now. And his words were, it's a beautiful time for the church in Boba Gelasso. Like God is just exploding uh, the church and people are just having this desire to, to, to be raised up into leadership and he said just that morning he'd met with seven pastors, people who were, uh, had been trained up and who wanted to plant churches in their area. And he just said, Brian, we would love to partner with you. We would love to, 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 to work together. And we have some amazing needs that we could actually meet together in our community. But he said, you know what, the, 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 the issue with children poverty is huge. He said, would you just sponsor as many kids as you can? Would your church lean into this first? Just sponsor as many kids as you can. 
If you didn't know this, globally, there are over 600 million uh, children living in extreme poverty. And over 18,000 children die every day from poverty-related issues. 18,000 children every day. That's like one every, I don't know, 12 minutes or something like that. Like, that's insane. These are preventable deaths that we see all over the world. And when I think about it, I just think this is overwhelming. If you're like me, you're thinking, Brian, I was just picking my trinkets up off the floor this morning. My life's kind of a mess. I got cracks in the drywall. Things are kind of messed up. And then you see a need like that, and it can be almost more overwhelming. Like, what, what difference really could I make? And we become overwhelmed by the problem. And I think of verse 24 of, or 34 of Matthew chapter 15, when they asked, Jesus asked, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven and a few small fish. I think this was their moment of being overwhelmed. That they thought in that moment, like, Jesus, why, why would we do anything? What they could have said is, like, Jesus, it's just not enough. You don't even know, need to know what we do have because we just don't have enough. So we're just not going to do anything. Not going to do anything. So we asked them, we said, well, how many children are available in Bobo Jalasso? Like, how many are available? I said, well, there's 400 children. And we thought, man, we, I think we can do that. I think we can do that. So we set a goal that we might sponsor 400 children. And then coming into last week, we've been working on this for months, uh, we got an update. They said, hey, Brian, good news. Uh, After the past few months have gone on and with new kids coming in the program, there's actually 500 children that are available. So he's like, good news. There's there's actually more children than you even thought that were available in Bobo Gelasso. So we have an opportunity that as a church, that we could lean in to our generosity. And you guys are the most generous people I've ever met. I'm always amazed at how our church just kind of binds together to meet needs. And what you see on the sides of the stage here are literally what's left. <laughs> because you guys are 11 o'clock service, and the services that came before you, they just killed it. They just killed it. And so, um, but, but what's really cool is that the other 100 children are also going to be available and so there's going to be some people at the front of the stage and in the lobby, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I was just thinking about this moment that we find ourselves in. I mean, this moment of, of really history-making for us as a church, that we might change a city, that we in Eagle River, Alaska, could change a city across the world and rescue children out of a desperate situation. And I, I was thinking this is certainly the truth, that we can't wipe out child poverty in every city, but what if we could wipe it out in one city? What if one city could, be, could, could have these children who are sponsored and have all of their needs met? And if you're wondering, what does sponsorship actually do? Um, here's a few things that it actually does. First, ongoing Christian training through a local church. Once again, this child is, is not just cared for physically, but also spiritually. Educational opportunities so that they can learn to read. Uh, key life skills so they can get a job. Healthcare, supplements. Basic things that you and I maybe tend, tend to take for granted not even realize that, that these are needs across the world. So we said, here's the deal. Here, here's the kind of the big reveal. We have a three-stage initiative that we as a church are launching into. The first is this, to sponsor every available child. The first step is that we might sponsor every available child in Bobo Gelasso, and then we might help them to take a step forward out of their impoverished situation, change their lives from across the world. The second step is that we might begin a partnership, create a partnership with a local ministry. So you thought, how cool would it be to not just rescue these, these children out of poverty, but also invest in the local infrastructure? And that's really what the local church is doing. They are digging wells. 
Um, they are building structures and shelters for people. They are doing discipleship training for new people and new leaders in the church. They are meeting physical needs in the local community. And so we've already begun discussions with the Alliance in that region about how we can partner, and they're excited. They're like, man, we would love to have ACF join us and link arms with us in the work that we're doing. So sponsor every child. Create a partnership. And the third thing that I'm really excited about is go see and serve. So in 2019, potentially 2020, we're already making plans to do a trip to Burkina Faso. And so for you, if you sponsor a child today, or multiple children, that you would have an opportunity to go and meet that child. Do not underestimate the power of looking this kid in the eye and saying, you matter deeply to God. Don't underestimate the power of that. But at the same time, if you're anything like me, I like to do practical things. Um, you know, I don't need to just go tour across the world. I actually want to meet real needs. And we actually have this church that's full of extremely capable people. Like you guys have so many skills and so many resources. And so I asked Toby this last week, I was like, Hey, if we could send 50, 60 highly capable people over there, uh, could you keep them busy? And he's like, Oh yes. Oh yes. I have work for you to do. And so how cool would it be to sponsor these children, to create a partnership and to actually go see and serve. Listen, I know that you might not have been part of this problem. I know you're thinking, man, I don't know, Brian, why is this my, my issue? And I believe this is true, that child poverty didn't begin with us, but for some today, it can end with us. This can be the last day that somebody has to go without a meal, and that makes all the difference. In fact, for one man, it changed his life, and I want you to check out Kennedy's story. My name is Kennedy Crazy. I grew up in uh, Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya. Nairobi hosts eight slums. I grew up in the second largest slum in, in Kenya, which is Madare. And uh, Madare, in literal terms, uh, means to struggle. It means to scramble, to fight for. You gotta, you gotta put a little extra effort than everybody else to fit into the society. And uh, we are told that if you're born in Madare, then your your story is it's prescriptive. You're supposed to just grow poor hopeless, nothing good can come out of you. If you're a boy, you're supposed to die by the time you're 16. If you're a girl, you're supposed to be a mom by the time you're 13. When you're 26, you're a grandma. When you're 39, you're a great grandma. You're supposed to be just the least in the, in the society. And so I grew up there and that's what I, I first saw growing up was a, a scripted a version of my life. It's very uncommon to, to grow up there and come out as a positive human being if you make it past 16 years of age. Uh, a typical home in Madari has about uh, five kids and two, two, two parents. And my parents uh, were a little bit extra hard workers and they got themselves 10 kids. So I was baby number 10 and we lived in a 10 square foot room. My mom brewed illegal liquor. We call it the Kenyan moonshine. So in the process of that, our home turned into a saloon. And uh, so the first things I saw growing up was people, you know, drunk in our house, dancing, calling each other names, fighting, sometimes not even handling my own mom the right way, right in front of us. Uh, the closest school that my parents could afford was two hours walk away from home, and that was bare feet. So I used to walk bare feet to school two hours in the morning, two hours back in the evening. Being the baby in the family, all my clothes were hand-me-downs for my older siblings. So. I didn't have new un- new clothing or new school uniform. Uh, my backpack to school was a grocery bag, and we would stay for like a week without eating. And we thought that I just thought that was normal because it was it was okay. You know, sometimes two people would eat, and then 
the next day another two people in the family would eat so you have to wait for your turn until your day of eating come or just wait the five days without having a single meal so that was pretty much my, my life before compassion and i just thought everybody in the world lived the same way so at seven years of age i, I used to go to church and uh, my parents didn't go to church they had to work 24 7 and um, so this one day our pastor tells us to, to to tell our parents to come to church and so my dad was able to take a, a day off of work and he went with me to church and uh, after after the service they, they they stayed back behind and and uh, they were told about an opportunity to to be helped and uh, they were going to sponsor one kid in a family and my dad just gave our information they took pictures of us and uh, it was just like if it happens it happens if it doesn't then we, we just gonna keep believing that God will do something someday. After like two months, uh, we, I got the news that I had been selected to join the Compassion program. And, and my life has never been the same since then. After I was enrolled in the Compassion program and, and I had that relationship with my sponsor and they would write me letters and uh, you know, they would tell me they loved me and they cared for me and they thought of me and God loved me. And they would all, often ma- mention Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And that's when I started now starting to see that there's a Lord, there's a God, there's Jesus who loves me and cares for me. And there's more to me than just poverty. And so through compassion is when I actually started hearing, getting into a relationship with Jesus. So actually when they sponsored me with compassion, they, they were stationed in Anchorage, Alaska, and they lived in Eagle River. I can say my life started. That's where death was arrested in my life began in Eagle River, Alaska. I've always wanted to be like my sponsor. I've always wanted to be somebody who loves God. And, uh, he was in the military and I, I just wanted to love God and love, serve my country and, uh, and serve my family and serve people out there. And uh, three years ago when I was watching his uh, retirement ceremony, once he was just done and he was handed his certificate, retirement certificate, I felt like somebody needed to step in into his shoes and fill that gap. And there was not going to be anybody better to fill that gap than me. I signed up uh, a week after that, and I am now in the U.S. military. And I'm in the United States Army Corps of Engineers. He's had a lot of influence in my life, who I am today. And so, you know, ACF partnering with Compassion and uh, Burkina Faso, it's, it's definitely a, a big deal for me because I'm like, it's the same, there's, there's other seeds that are being planted, like mine was in the same place. So that's really made me really happy to hear. This is going to be the beginning of a journey that's going to change a lot of lives, the beginning of a hope for so many kids in Burkina Faso. And um, what an amazing experience it's going to be. Myself and my wife, we, we do sponsor a child with compassion as well. And, she lives in Kenya, and uh, now I see the full circle of how everything happens. And, and I, I, I can promise people at the ACF Church that it's it's going to be a blessing both to the kid and the sponsors as well. And so, thank you for believing in compassion, and thank you for partnering with compassion, and thank you even on a bigger picture uh, for partnering with God in this. And I'm sure God is going to take care of you as well as He's going to take care of the, the child you sponsor. Yeah. Isn't that cool? So this man's life was changed by somebody just like you sitting here in Eagle River just a few years ago. And so I love how God brings things together. And we have an opportunity today. And if you're here today and you're like, man, Brian, it's, it's Christmas. This is what churches do. They ask for stuff at Christmas. Know this. We don't typically do this. 
This is a special season, and this is a year that we as a church really want to make history together to change a city for the sake of the gospel. Starting off by meeting physical needs and praying that there'd be a movement of the kingdom in their city, that it would be in Bobo as it is in heaven. Just as we pray, the same thing would be in Alaska. So I want to speak to a few of you real quick before we um, move forward in this. The first would be, if you're here and you're maybe a teenager, or you're here and you're like, Brian, I'm really under-resourced. In fact, um, those people that you said have great needs right now, that's me. My house is a wreck. My life is a wreck. Um, I just want to encourage you just to, to listen to the Spirit and do everything that God tells you to do. Um, maybe you're a teenager and you're like, Brian, I don't have anything to my name. Uh, can you take one thing off your Christmas list? Say, Mom and Dad, hey, I don't want this. I actually would love for you to sponsor a child. So not only will they be impressed with you, but they'll actually also be able to help you to sponsor a kid. Maybe today you can't afford $38 a month, but you know you could link arms with somebody else and that you both could do it. If that's you, just text a friend or, or talk to somebody here in the next few minutes and say, hey, can we work together on this? Maybe we can sponsor one child together. Because uh, here's what I know. I know that when I was a teenager, I had a lot more available to me than I realized. Um, I, I seemed to never have money, but I also had always had money for new shorts, new jeans, new Xbox, new whatever it was. Like, I had, had money for that stuff. And that stuff next year will be out of date. The jeans will have holes in them. And you won't even care about it anymore. But we have a chance today to change someone's life. If you're here today, maybe you're just part of sort of the, the blue-collar working community. You're working for a living. You don't love your job, maybe. You're just kind of struggling along. Here's what I want for you. Like, my, my heart for you is that when you go to work on Monday and your office is a disaster and you're thinking to yourself, why do I even do what I do? That you would get to tell yourself, I do what I do because there's a kid across the world that I'm helping feed, helping get health care for. I'm actually caring for somebody. So this job that felt sort of visionless now has a vision. So if you need some vision today, Use what you have for the sake of someone else. And the third group I want to talk to here today, um, you're here and you are uh, highly resourced. You come to church here and um, you've seen this and you're like, Brian, I, I don't have a problem sponsoring one kid. I could sponsor 20 kids. Um, it's not a big deal for me. I want to encourage you to lean into that. that. That you would know that everything you have received from God is to be released by God. He's given it to you so that you might release it into the world. That We haven't been given things just so that we can hold on. But actually, God wants to give a vision to your life. He might use you for a, a, a purpose that's so much greater than you could have ever imagined. I want to encourage you, like, if you're like, well, Brian, I don't, I don't want to take sponsored kids away from somebody else, uh, know that that's not a problem. That we can widen our reach easily for as many kids as possible. And so don't feel like you're taking kids away from somebody else. Also, here's what I want to propose to you and challenge you with. Over the course of uh, the last service, I had two people come up uh, that said, hey, I'm going to sponsor 10 kids, but I will sponsor 10 more if somebody in 11 o'clock sponsors 10 kids. So if that's you here today and you're like, I take that challenge, um, come out and meet me in the lobby. I'll be out there in just a few minutes. And just let me know uh, that that has been met by you. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of this. I'm excited about what God is doing through our church, that we might be the love of Jesus. As 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. 
that if we really have, lo- have love for the world and for others, that it will be shown in the way we live generous and compassionate lives. So welcome up Pastor Stewart here real quick. He's going to give us some details. Thank you, Brian. And we expect that, that several of you may want to sponsor children today. Um, and so I want to tell you how to do it. Uh, in just a moment, uh, Mason and the worship team are going to come back up and lead us in a time of singing and worship. Um, and during that time, you can come down either the center aisles and head towards the walls where the uh, packets are hanging. And so come up and grab a, a child packet. I want to encourage you to use two hands, uh, one hand to undo the clip that's holding it and the other hand to hold the packet. Uh, if you just yank on it, uh, you're likely to send some other packets up into the rafters and that's no good. So don't do that. Um, here's a key. Don't spend time searching for the perfect child. Uh, every child that is on here uh, on the wall or even back at the tables uh, will are, are kids in need. And just trust that the kid that catches your eye as you approach the wall, kid or kids, uh, that, that that is the child that God has chosen for you. Uh, if you spend time doing research right here at the wall, you're going to create a log jam. Uh, it's, people are going to get frustrated. They're going to sit back down behind you. Uh, a child's not going to get sponsored. They're going to go hungry, and you're going to go to hell. It's, it's in Scripture. It's there. Trust me. So once you have your packet, make your way back to your seat. And I'm going to give this to Brian. Uh, this is Miriam, uh, who he's opened the packet for. And he's going to show you um, what, what's in the packet. There's going to be a, a picture. There's going to be information. Uh, it's going to tell you a lot about them. There's going to be information about Compassion International. Uh, you don't need any of that stuff to worry about right now. All you need is the blue card at the bottom. And you can pull that off. It's perforated. And on the side of that is a picture of your, or your, your child. Pull that off as well so you're left with a little bit of a blue card. Uh, on one side, it's asking for your personal information, your name, your contact info. Uh, it's important that you write clearly. So fill that out, all capital letters, if you can remember that. Uh, a human being is going to be entering these in, and they don't want to make errors in that. So to help them out, take your time, write slowly and carefully. Uh, on the back side is payment information for credit and debit cards. Fill that out as well. Um, when you're done filling that out, all the other stuff you can put back in that packet. That's all yours to take home, but the blue card needs to, to stay here today. Make sure you don't take a blue card for later. This is the only packet that exists on the planet right now for this child. So don't let it walk away from here. Uh, that can cause problems with the, with the sponsorship of this kid. So on your way out today, at the end of the service, uh, by the doors, there will be people wearing Love All, Serve All shirts, and they'll have a basket, and you can drop that card in the basket. Uh, that way we can keep your information safe. It goes from there into our safe here at ACF Church, and then we will mail those back uh, with a, a FedEx to Compassion International, and they'll enter it in. If you have questions uh, at all, if you're wondering, like, you know, I didn't come with my credit or debit card, I want to pay with cash or check, uh, or I'd rather pay online and enter my information that way, you can go to the lobby, uh, the Compassion booth, where you see the big banner behind it with a table. You, you can go there, and they will take care of you. Uh, and answer any questions you have uh, as well. Um, there was one other thing I was thinking about. Oh, if we, we have 130 left. Uh, we had our original 400 ch- children put on these walls, so we have 130 left hanging right now. If we are able to pull all these off, we have hit our 400 goal. But as Brian said, in the last week or so, we were, we were made aware of another 100. Those are on site. Um, so there'll be uh, a first impression person near the wall with some of those, and the rest will be out at the compassion table in the lobby. So if we run out, don't get discouraged. There's still a need, and we are a go big or go home church, and I, I think we can, we can nail this. 
Um, so thank you so much. I think that's, that that's explains it. it. That's good. And if you're with us online as well, we'd love for you to be a part of this. And I think somebody is hosting everything online. There'll be a link that's on there. We'd love for you to join with us in this mission together as well. So let's stand up together. Let me pray for us. We'll move into our time of worship. Jesus, thank you for pouring out compassion first on us. And as we recognize this week, uh, we are small and frail creatures living in a very uncertain world in uncertain times. And God, you've placed us here for a reason, with a purpose, uh, not to only receive what you've given us, but to pour it out into others. God, I know in my heart that so much of the reason that we aren't more generous than we are is that we haven't first received from you, God. So I pray that we would receive compassion from you. We'd we'd receive acceptance, God, right where we're at today in all of our mess, in all of our discouragement, in everything that we've been through and done. God, thank you so much. You meet us right where we are and you just call to us, come. So may we receive that and also, God, may we release that into the world. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace on us. Thanks for looking out for us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.